Welcome, welcome back again, everyone. This, thank you so much for joining us today. I got to tell you, you're in for a treat today. We've got a very special show. You probably noticed we changed topics on you mid-stride because I found out I had the opportunity to really to have um, one of my close friends as well as one of the great advisors in tax planning here today. Um, I, I'm going to introduce in just a second uh, a gentleman by the name of Brandon Verner, and I'll give you some background on him. But I want to thank you for joining us here at themoneyguy.com. Um, it's money-guy.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-Guy-G-U-Y.com. We've um, grown even more. Thank you so much for everybody who subscribed. We'd ask you to please tell your friends, family, and anybody else you know to please join and subscribe um, our listeners so that we can continue to do this and bring you great, great programming. Um, I also want to tell you that we've got two topics that we're going to talk about, some tips from Susie Ormond as well as um, Ben Stein about some of the things you're hearing about in the day-to-day news. But just because I know it's killing to stay quiet, let me go ahead and bring in my friend. I've got Brandon Verner, CPA. I've known Brandon for years, and, and i got to tell you what, what impresses me about Brandon, and this is what you got to be careful of with any advisor that you hire out there, is that really when you're looking to hire, whether it's an accountant, an attorney, a financial advisor, you've got to really make sure that you go out there and find people who really practice what they preach. There's a lot of people out there who will tell you, the, tell you their advice, but then they'll go and do the exact opposite thing. It's kind of like finding a doctor that smokes. And I've known Brandon long enough, and I've seen enough of his finances to know that he really is doing everything he tells his clients. He's got his insurance in order. He's saving that 15 to 20% that I always tell all my clients to save. So he really is the real McCoy and doing what he should do. So with that, I'm going to let Brandon come on. And in a second, after we go through the two articles, because you all know how we are set up here at moneyguy.com, is that we go through the articles, then we go right into the meat of the financial chaos topic, which is going to be tax planning today. And then I'm going to let Brandon kind of take over that section. I'll throw in my my two cents here and there. Um, Brandon, welcome to the show. Brian, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for those kind words. I don't think I could have introduced myself better. Well, I'm hoping that I keep a straight face here because I know um, what what you don't know listening to this podcast through the Internet is that Brandon has a great sense of humor, and um, he's actually... He is um, can make anybody laugh, so it's, it's going to be a challenge for me just to try to keep a straight face as we go through all this because he is so much fun. Well, we have a serious topic today, so we'll, we'll keep We it do, but, but I'll tell you, it, there cannot be anything better than having two um, somewhat humorous guys talk about such a dry topic like taxes, so hopefully we can make this a little different than some of the other podcasts and other information out there. Um, the two articles I have, I'm going to go through, let's go through the dry one first because this is something that you've probably been hearing about a lot in the news. It's actually, I pulled this off of the Yahoo website and it's from, um, everybody's probably familiar with Ben Stein. If you don't know who Ben Stein is, he's the guy from, um, he was a he teacher. Was, he, was. <laughs> he was from Wonder Years as well as, um, that was from the movie um, Ferris, Bueller's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We got, he's also a school teacher on Wonder Years. If you remember that, he has that real dry voice. He does the Visine commercials. He also had on um, one of the game networks, he had win Ben Stein's money. But Ben, in addition to being just a unique personality, is also a very, very smart man about economic issues and other things that are going on in the economy. And one of the things he talked about that we're hearing a lot in the news recently is about our trade with China. 
and how there's more and more concern, especially with a lot of our legislators, that they feel like they need to um, restrict what China's doing. And that all sounds good because we're all Americans and we're all very patriotic and it, and it pulls at our heartstrings. I completely understand we do need to make sure that everything's all American and we're not doing anything with the Chinese. But what are the Chinese truly guilty of? This is, this is what we really need to ask ourselves. Bring it down. What are the Chinese guilty of? And what they're guilty of is really selling their goods to us too cheap. So much so that we are buying a lot more than they're buying from us. Um, and I will tell you, if you think, well, what is that? how does that impact me? Because all I want to do is I want to protect the Americans. Well, what's really happening to the Americans, if you think about what is Walmart? Where are most of the goods when you go down to the Walmart and shop, where are they, where are they manufactured at? And I guarantee you, probably the majority of them, and that's what Ben talks about in this article, is actually from, from China. So Walmart is founded on the back of cheap goods, which a lot of them are coming from China, and that's actually helped the entire American economy because we've been able to have sustained growth just because the goods have been so much cheaper um, from buying. So I just I want to throw that out there. Go out there and read. I'll put a link out there. Um, but read what Ben has to say about the, some of these discussions. It's not always as black and white as our politicians would have us to believe. It really does impact us in other ways. The unintended consequences can be tremendous. The other topic and article that I had was also from Yahoo. It's from um, Susie Orman. It's the 12 biggest money mistakes. And Brandon, you feel free to jump in here anytime if you have any, um, you know, want to throw in some comments. Um, I'm just going to go through these and we'll, you know, I'll throw out a little bit as we're doing it. The first one she says is don't borrow from your 401k or 403B. Well, that's, that's common sense. Yeah, and from a tax standpoint, um, it's one of the worst things you can do. Uh, you're looking at about a 40% tax hit after taxes and penalties if you take money out of those accounts. So, so that doesn't make sense. I mean, I, you know, I know I've had people with retirement accounts that have called me and asked about these questions, but Brandon is exactly right. If you think about it from terms, if you had a $100,000 IRA and the net benefit after you're going to pay taxes that you're actually going to get a check to put in the bank is only sixty to $65,000. What are you doing besides just, you know, derailing your retirement plan? Yeah, find that money somewhere else if you need it. And don't borrow against that plan or pull it out. And borrowing is, is no good either. Yeah, because especially if you leave that employer, you know what happens when you borrow, if you've borrowed money from your 401k or 403b? Pretty sure that loan gets called. <laughs> it gets called all at once, and it's considered a taxable distribution. Uh, number two, don't use your home equity line of credit to pay off your credit card debt. Pretty self-explanatory. You're turning consumer debt into um, where they could come take your house away, which is always a scary thought. Now, if you're a controlled spender, Brian, and you have the ability to pay off your credit cards, take that non-deductible interest, make it deductible, and you've got the control not to put the charges right back on the cards. Um, you know, I'm comfortable with somebody doing that, but it takes that person with that control. The only challenge I have is that the only way I agree, I hear what you're saying, because I, I consider myself a very responsible saver and, and disciplined, and I know you are as well, but what you always have to ask yourself, if somebody has so much credit card debt that they've got to consider paying it off with a home equity line, they probably are not controlled spenders. That's the only thing. You know what I'm saying? Because if they if they have built up that much debt that they're even considering doing this, they probably got that $8,000 average that the average American has on their credit card. Oh, they also have to have that equity available in their home. So yeah, that's true. 
you've got to be somewhat in a position to even be able to consider consider it the option. Um, she talks about on, on bills, the next one, number three, don't fall behind on paying your taxes, student loans, or child support. And she talks about just that these fa- that even if you're in dire financial straits and file for bankruptcy, these obligations are not going to be forgiven. So you really need to think about that. Um, number four, we're going to move on through here. Don't flake on paying your library fines or parking t- tickets. She's basically just saying be a model citizen. Number five, I think, is a really good one. Don't buy variable annuities, especially for retirement accounts. Um, the, the problem I have with these is the high, high expenses. Um, yeah, the, I mean, that's what you look at the expenses and the commissions. You can easily be paying two and a half percent or more a year. Um, you know, we talk about some of these index funds and other things that I'm a fan of, and you can actually be buying products that are 25 times cheaper. So let's get more of your money working for you. Number six, don't finance a home purchase with a variable interest only loan. And I think she's just saying this because you've seen it in a lot of neighborhoods where people are buying houses they truly can't afford just because the payment's low enough. But if you can only afford a house because of the interest-only portion, don't do it because you'll never own that house. And, and people are feeling that now. I think two or three years ago I had clients and friends of mine who were getting into bigger homes, um, doing interest-only LIBOR loans. Uh, the rates are very quickly going up, mm-hmm. and they're in a position where they have to refinance. Even home equity loans are getting expensive, sure. if you noticed recently. I mean, they're at seven and a quarter right now if you're a prime. And Bernanke, who's the new federal chair after um, Greenspan, has even signaled that they'll probably continue to raise short-term rates. So be prepared for those home equity lines. We're going to probably see the eights before it's all over. Possibly. And you, your credit card interest goes right up with that, too. Mm-hmm. Number seven, don't miss out on your employer's offer for an annual bonus. And what's she talking about here? Because everybody's like, well, I'm not going to pass up on an annual bonus. She's talking about your 401k match. I'm always surprised when I've gone out and done just general seminars and talks with um, with people trying to encourage them to do retirement savings, and you find out how few people are doing the match. I mean, there's a lot of employers that are doing 4 5 6%. Uh, I'm meaning they'll match four to five, six percent of your total employment pay, but a lot of people are not taking advantage of that. That's just throwing money down the tubes. That's an easy way to make fifty percent on your money. It is, you know, and some will do dollar for dollar. So if, yep. you, if it's dollar for dollar, you're throwing away a hundred. You get a hundred percent rate of return. That's huge. You know, and even to expand upon that, and you'll probably agree here, um, if you have a limited amount of money to put into a retirement plan. Absolutely, first thing is do as much into the 401k to get that match. Yep. Then let's talk about your ability to fund a Roth IRA. Yep. Then let's go back, and if you still have more, yep. push up that 401k. Take the free money, then get the tax-free growth, and then come back for the tax savings. That's, that's exactly right. Number eight is, um, and I get this question a lot, is because I know I had a life insurance policy. Number eight is don't purchase life insurance on your kids. And my parents bought one when I was a child, and I think that was just a trend, but Insurance, if you remember, is to replace income. And uh, if unless your child is um, Macaulay Culkin, um, who's not an adult, or um, who's uh, Dakota Fanning, unless they're producing income, you probably don't need life insurance on them. Um, number nine, don't purchase life insurance as an investment. That's just her opinion on that. There, you know, because it is. It, she's just saying it could be a little bit more expensive than just buying term insurance. Uh, I'll leave that to you and your your insurance advisor. Um, don't let any single stock account for more than 10% of your total investment portfolio. That's just saying don't put all your eggs in one basket, really. Um, here locally, in, in, we're all in the Atlanta area. Um, I know I saw it with a lot of people that worked at Lucent. 
Um, Coca-Cola, Home Depot, UPS. There, there's a lot of people. I'm just talking about the people that have actually been stung by losing. Right. And Lucent was the most recent one that actually dealt with some retired individuals who had a lot of the net worth in Lucent and um, kind of really wrote it down, which was not a good situation. Um, number 11, don't pass up on the Roth IRA. Brandon has already told you just what a tremendous thing that is. And I'll tell you, the reason it's tremendous is because it's completely tax-free. You don't get that tax deduction, but you do let it grow tax-free and that can be huge. You can really snub your nose at the government when you go to pull that money out. And one thing to expand upon that is something I was going to touch on as far as what you can still do for 2005, and that is you can still fund your 2005 Roth IRA. You have until April 17th, uh, the filing date of your return, to put in anywhere from zero to $4,000 for you and your spouse, um, as long as you meet the income limitations, which there are. And... Uh, you know, for 2006, if you have the money and you're going to be in the position uh, to fund for 2006, you can fund that one now as well. Okay. So it's a, it's a great opportunity. It's not too late. Get back, get in there and do those 2005 as well as 2006 contributions, and you will not be disappointed later. Um, we also get down here, number 12 is... Don't opt for the low home or auto insurance deductibles. Okay, let's 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 be honest with each other. We all have insurance, but aren't we all scared to death of using it? I know you know if you go get a ding on your car or somebody does, you're gonna do everything in your power not to go tell your insurance company because you're so scared they're gonna raise your rates. Well, if you already had this fear that they're gonna raise your rates, you might as well go ahead and bear some of that burden on your shoulders and lower your annual premiums by getting a lower, you know, by raising your deductible to at least a thousand dollars. If you're really financially independent and secure, consider raising it up to twenty-five hundred dollars. I mean, it's not because you'll see that you get the reward through the increased. Um, your premium will actually go down since you're bearing the additional risk. And the odds of you having a homeowner's claim are not big, and, and you really don't want to make a homeowner's claim unless you have to. Um, and I'll just mention. Uh, Consumer Reports just came out with their annual list and J.D. Power of the top-rated homeowners and, and car insurance uh, companies out there as far as customer service goes. And uh, the top-rated, top-two-rated were Amica Insurance, Amica Mutual, mm-hmm. and um, USAA, yeah. which uh, you have to have a military affiliation to be able to take advantage of that, but Amica's out there for everybody. And we'll, um, I'll tell you, Brandon, because I, I, I get consumer reports. What tightwad doesn't get consumer reports? Yeah, I think if you if you go get into the tightwad society, you really have to be a member of the consumer reports uh, magazine. So I'll, I'll get I'll get Heidi, who's our producer, to put it out there on the internet um, when we post these notes for this show, so that you can go link over to it. And if you want to subscribe to Consumer Reports, just an outstanding magazine. Um, getting into now the financial chaos topic, we're going to be talking about tax planning and things that you can do um, for two thousand five deductions you might not have considered as you're preparing your tax return. And then I know Brandon also wants to give us some tips for some of the big changes that have happened between 2005 and 2006. So with that, Brandon, what's some of the main deductions as people are starting to gather up their data and put it all together that they're really forgetting about when they're doing their taxes? Things people miss or for some reason are afraid to take sometimes are the non-cash contributions, donations that you've made to a qualified charity, um, clothing, automobiles, uh, household goods. Um, Salvation Army has an excellent website to help you value those. And I think that's why people have a reluctance to take it because nobody tells you how much to take. Right. That's one of those that you have to really sit down, look at what you gave, and try and determine what the fair market value is. But you have earned the right to take that deduction, and you're passing it up for the wrong reasons if that's why you're not taking it. So I uh, would highly recommend that people take a minute 
and, and look at the receipts that they've gotten and put a value on them and take that deduction on their return. Um, you know, if you want to look at it as given to charity and, you know, if you're going to get a tax deduction for a third of it, well, that's more money you can give to charity yep. instead of just leaving it on the table. That's that's one thing I... And, and do consider using that valuation guide. We'll go do a link on our site, too. That's money-guide.com um, to the Salvation Army because I was surprised when you go out there. That's what people are always... I think they're... They, they have no problem. They do the charitable giving. They go clean out their closets, but they're always underestimated what these items are worth. I know I'll go ahead and give you a personal story. My mother-in-law, um, I don't think she, she's doing the podcasting yet, so she probably won't hear this. But my mother-in-law, when I've helped her out with some of her tax planning, I know she was doing some um, charitable giving. And I saw her list that, you know, of what she was giving, and she was valuing T-shirts, I want to say, at a dime a piece. Um, you know, she, all of the shirts she was giving away, she was basically, you know, she was giving 10 shirts away and it was going to be a, a dollar, $1 deduction on her tax return. Woo! That's going to save you a lot of taxes. <laughs> so, um, but if you go on the, the Salvation Army site, you'll see that if you got a shirt that's in decent shape, it actually has a price range of somewhere between 250 to 750 thrift value. So you might be, uh, you know, under reporting what your deduction truly should be. Absolutely. So that's, that's a great, great suggestion that Brandon's given us on looking at the Salvation s- site and we'll make sure we put that on there because it is kind of embedded within there, so we'll make it easy on you. Let me pick up on uh, one other thing that I see a lot of clients miss, um, and that is points related to either purchasing of their primary residence or refinancing. Mm-hmm. When you purchase your primary residence, those points that are paid, and those points, it doesn't matter if they're paid by the seller or by the purchaser, are deducted in full in the year you purchased that home. And, and that can be your origination, you know, because a lot of people go, well, what is Brown, what's, you know, Brown and Brandon, what is the definition of points? Well, points can be not only for buying down a discount on the interest rate, it's also that origination fee that, that the lender's charging you as well. Right. You'll, you'll see it on page two of that very complicated, ugly HUD-1 settlement <laughs> statement that uh, you will absolutely have to have to do your taxes. If you have purchased or sold a home this year and you're not looking at that form, you're missing something, yeah. I promise. And those can be big deductions. I'm talking about saving you hundreds hundreds and hundreds of dollars on your taxes. So we talked about the new home purchase being able to deduct the points in full. Now, if you're refinancing and you have some points that you've been amortizing over the life of the previous loan, you're allowed to take the remainder of that in full in the year you refinance, and then you start the other ones, the new points over, right. and, and take those forward. And uh, just one other note that people miss when you come to these closing statements is tax allocations. Um, whenever you buy or sell a home, Taxes get prorated between the seller and the buyer. And there's a place on your HUD-1 that allocates that out. People miss that a lot. Yeah. Uh, so it's just something else to look for. And every dollar. Remember, we're trying to show you here on this show today how to stick to the man completely legally. You know, Because I know I told you on that first podcast how the IRS has in their training manuals to stay away from sharp objects of clients, stay away from their kitchens because you're just nervous about the situation they're going to put you in. These are things that we can tell you how to take advantage and really put it to the IRS but completely legally. Um, another thing to mention is health insurance premiums. If you're self-employed in any respect and you pay your health insurance premiums, you get what's called an above-the-line deduction for those premiums, 100%. That's a huge deduction. Normally, medical expenses are limited to 7.5% of your adjusted gross income and are not favorable. But if you're self-employed, um, you need to be taking advantage of that. Yeah, that's and that's one of those is it can be tremendous. A lot of people... Who are, because you're already paying a lot of extra taxes by being self-employed. So might as well make sure you're taking advantage of that. That is, that's, a, that's a big deduction that's available. Um, 
Any other big changes that you can think of? You know, what about the miscellaneous deductions that people probably just pass over when, when they're looking at things? Yeah, several of those. And, uh, you know, let me just, a couple other things people tend to miss. And this is one that's uh, just a regular itemized deduction is auto renewal tax. If your state is one that has a annual tax based on the value of the car, that is deductible to you. Um, and it's uh, above the line deduction. I mean, above the line is itemized. Sure, deduction. sure. It's not limited to 2.5%. Um, also, I'll tell you, you probably if anybody's read my bio on, on the money-guy.com website, you probably noticed that I am on the local board of education down here on the south side of Atlanta. And so I have a big soft spot in my heart for all educators. And I'll tell you, one of the things I know growing up from a family where my mother was a teacher is that educators and, and any to anybody who's involved in education probably is coming out of pocket with a lot of expenses um, that they're not being reimbursed for. Because we all know teachers, you know, they, they're not going to not go buy the supplies for their students just because they're not given that money by the local school system. So if you're a teacher or somebody involved in education, make sure you're keeping up with all those expenses because the government came out a few years ago and give you what's called the educator expense, which is, as Brandon puts it, above the line, meaning they adjust your gross income um, of $250. $250. But in addition to that, if you spend more than that $250, which is quite all right because I, I think most educators do spend more than that $250, you can also put that as one of the miscellaneous expenses. Yeah, the balance of that would be considered a miscellaneous 2% item. And if you get enough 2% items, you potentially can get some advantage out of them. Some other ones that, that you can put down there are safe deposit box, yeah. um, investment advisory fees, tax preparation fees, uh, union or trade dues, uh, any unreimbursed business expenses. Um, you know, the mileage rate changed in the middle of this year. We had 40 and a half cent mileage rate that went up to 48 and a half for the second third of the year. Um, if your company only reimburses you for a portion of that, you may take that difference as a miscellaneous 2%. Yeah, so pay attention, salesmen. If you're if you're out there on the road, because there are a lot of salespeople out there that are in their cars a ton. I, I know I've I've dealt with. I'm sure Brandon doing a lot of tax preparation has dealt with people who easily put fifteen to twenty five thousand miles a year on their car. That is a lot of money. If you start thinking about forty eight cents a mile, um, you're going to get reimbursed. You know on your on your deductions. And if you use your car more than fifty percent for business, and you purchased a new vehicle this year. And if that vehicle happens to be over 6,000 pounds, you have the potential to take a $25,000 write-off immediately um, in addition to the regular depreciation. And that's the one everybody, if y'all remember, um, it wasn't this past year, it was the year before, everybody was going out and buying their Hummers, you know, because they thought that, you know, they were deducting $100,000 or 60000 whatever. And they were then. It, they it, were then. That was the loophole, but um, just in case you're concerned, they did kind of close that loophole up a little bit, so now you can't really buy a Hummer, but you can buy you, um, you know. Well, a, you can still get the Hummer. You just get a $25,000 deduction <laughs> instead of 100000 If you can afford the gas. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know if I can afford the gas. Um, I definitely don't drive a Hummer, by the way. Um, but uh, th those are some. Of the, I think, but the, those are some great deductions that, that we're also missing. I've also seen, and this might be a little bit aggressive, but I've seen some tax people talk about even on the investment advisory expenses. You might even want to keep up with the mileage it took to drive to the investment advisor, as well as the IRA. Um, 
uh, you know, if you pay any IRA fees throughout the year, you also might want to consider if you had to pay an attorney for tax collection or if you went to go do some estate planning and part of that estate planning was dealing with, you know, how we're going to, with the tax side of it. All that is deductible as a miscellaneous itemized deduction. So don't sell yourself short. This stuff is not that aggressive. You're just putting out there what is truly deductible, but you just need to make sure you keep really good records. And the real important thing here is it takes a lot to be able to enjoy these deductions so you do have to take them all into account they are limited to two percent of your income before they kick in so uh, depending on your wage bracket that could be a significant amount of money but it's worth it to add them up to see if you can qualify and not leave money on the table um, I also have a lot of people contact me uh, well you know just general because Brandon's probably the same way anybody who's, who's got a few letters after the name or hold yourself out as an expert or a professional in an area um, you know most Cocktail parties, dinner parties, out and about. If you see people in the community, they ask you general questions. And one of the ones I get a lot is, how long do I need to keep certain documents? And, you know, the, you know, and the, with the IRS, how long, the IRS, how many years do they have to, to come back and ask you for, for stuff? Isn't, I, I, I think what I've heard. It depends on if, if you uh, erroneously file a bad return, then there, I believe, is no statute. Um, but it's generally a three year look back. Um, now, the bad news is if you've left money on the table for the IRS uh, that they owe you and you don't file your return within three years, you can't go back and get it. Right, but, but as Brandon said, three years, I think, is how long they want you to keep all your receipts as long as there's no belief that there's fraud or um, it, it, that there was a criminal intent, as Brandon put it. So I think you know three years is the length of time probably to keep yourself. Now, I'm, I'm of the school of tax documents, mortgage statements, keep them. Till you die. Sure, because you you still you know it might not just be a tax issue that comes up. It could be something else. And tax returns never. I, I never throw away my tax returns. I think you've always got to keep a copy of your tax returns. So you know, hopefully, if I make it to that grand old age of a hundred, I'm going to have you know at least you know eighty two to eighty three tax returns sitting in my records. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but um, any other great tax advice you know for two thousand five on preparation or. Let's just remember a couple of things while we are sitting here in filing season. Anybody who participated in a flexible spending account, also known as a Section 125 plan, um, prior years it was a use it or lose it by December 31st. They now give you until March 15th to empty out that money from last year. So be sure not to leave uh, that money on the table. Um, just a couple of things to think about for 06. The contribution limits for 401ks have gone up to 15000 with a $5,000 catch-up if you're over 50. Um, IRAs and Roth IRAs remain at 4000 but uh, the catch-up goes from 500 to 1000 if you're over 50. Um, so those are some main things to take with you into this new, new season. We've also, um, I wanted to give you guys, you know, I typically try to give you some homework because it's so important to keep up with, you know, making sure you're keeping abreast of what's the best thing that's going on. In the past, I've had you guys, you know, look at the millionaire next door, the wealthy barber, and then I had you last week, you know, two weeks ago when we did our last podcast, we did um, the only investment guide you'll ever need. In that same spirit, we're, of course, going to give you a great book to go out and look at if you are kind of a do-it-yourself type. Um, you might want to look at J.K. Lasser's Your Income Tax 2006. Remember, we're going to put a link out there on the website to show you um, if you want to go look at this book and make sure it's good. But you also, I tell you, just to kind of close out this show, I, I think you really need to consider whether or not 
you need to be a self-preparer or go get a professional preparer. I think Brandon probably gets that question asked of him a lot as well. You know, a lot of people can go prepare their own taxes, but I will tell you the biggest thing I've noticed is um, that people leave things on the table because if you just go in and you're not researching, you're not knowledgeable, you might lose some deductions that could cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yeah, I mean, I firmly believe that I earn my fee. Right. I mean, that I'm not just out there charging people for something they can do themselves. A lot of times they can do it themselves, and I'll use the analogy to say, look, you, you can take a weekend, spend 16 hours, do your taxes, get them done, send them in. Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. Or you can come sit with me for 30 minutes, give me all your materials, not think about it again, and get a return that's been prepared by a professional, and you feel good signing and sending it in. So the kind of good rule of thumb, so you'll know whether or not you just need to do it by hand or pay the $35 and go get the TurboTax, is if you are if you have any type of self-employment income, if you have a mass amount of deductions, meaning that you're getting into some of these miscellaneous itemized deductions that we talked about with the investment advisory fees, with you know unreimbursed employee expenses, you really might want to consider hiring somebody like Brandon as a professional to help you because, remember, our whole purpose with this, this podcast is we want to stick as much as we can legally to keeping your back pocket. There's no reason to overpay your taxes. I think that is just a, a bad, bad thing. Just like you don't want to cheat on your taxes, you don't want to overpay on your taxes. So consider looking at that that book that I asked you that I told you to look at. Otherwise, you also might want to check with your local um, you know, state society of CPAs. Um, Brandon's very active in the Georgia Society of CPAs. Um, so you might want to go check out your local state CPAs and see if they have they some do, regulations. They have, they have some excellent resources and links sometimes to be able to get free advice either from the IRS or at the Georgia Society of CPAs. We have a volunteer bank that uh, you know work one Sunday during the year to take phone calls. And, and you also, uh, you'll be surprised, you'll see what your tax dollars are doing for you. If you go to the irs.gov, that's irs.gov, it's actually a very good site. You can go download all the forms you might need in case there's some obscure form. I use it a lot for making estimated tax payments um, for, for investment clients and so forth. But all these things can be tremendous resources. Now, we're coming to the end of the show. Brandon, i got to tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed having you here today. Well, I, uh, I want to thank you for having me on. I appreciate you putting a link to my website, uh, vpccpa.com, on money-guy.com. And, and I don't know if it's coincidence, but I will give Brandon some props and tell him that since I put his link on the website, our subscribers have come pretty close to double. So it, it, I, I don't know if it's because um, Brandon does consider himself a pretty good-looking guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about it. But he is, um, if you want to go see what Brandon looks like, as well as if you want to see what I look like, please go out to money-guy.com. Remember, I'm the money guy. I'm trying to restore um, you know, some order to your financial chaos out there. And we're always doing everything we can to help empower you to be a better consumer and better person with all your finances. Now, with that said, thank you so much for joining us. And may God bless you with good health, good family, friends, and of course, future wealth. Thank you so much.